Hey, everybody. Welcome to No One Told Me, where we believe hindsight is everything. My name is Callie. And hey, first of all, if it's the first time that you have ever pushed play on a No One Told Me episode, thank you so much. Like, like honestly, thank you. Because this whole podcast thing, it's, it's a little hit or miss. Okay? You throw stuff out there. You don't know if it's landing anywhere. You're just hoping. And so the fact that you would spend your time here, I hope and I know that you are going to be better for it because what we're trying to do is we take the experiences of those who are ahead of us maybe the moments that we find ourselves in and we look around and we're like okay why does this feel like I'm the only one who has ever felt this or had to figure this out or had to navigate it those moments that are isolating and lonely I can almost guarantee you like at least 97% sure someone has been where you are And so what no one told me is, is a library of those people sharing their experiences and all the things that they wish they had known sooner. Like you don't have to know how to iron. You can actually throw that wrinkly shirt in the dryer with an ice cube and let that do the job. I mean, you're welcome for that. That is actually what we do at my house because I don't have a place to put an iron. But anyways, a lot of these conversations that we have are based on conversations I'm having outside of the podcast of what women are walking through right now, things that would have been useful to know sooner. And here's what I've noticed lately is there is a lot of restlessness. Almost all of my conversations with women in their twenties and thirties have been rooted in this low grade humming in the background. Just what am I doing? Should I be doing it? What else could I be doing? Am I getting it right? Am I getting it wrong? Just this restlessness, right? And while putting this together, I decided to look up the definition of the word restless. And this is what it said. Unable to rest or relax as a result of anxiety or boredom or offering no physical or emotional rest involving constant activity or motion. Weirdly enough, both of these definitions fit. I think at the end of the year, you know, I wrote this episode several weeks ago and at the end of the year, the restlessness we might feel is maybe tied to all the things we have to get done, like have to on our to-do list, whatever. But I think at the beginning of a year, you know, we're in January at this point when I'm recording, I think it's more so with like, man, I have these goals, I have these dreams, I have these things that would be awesome to achieve this year. And I feel like if I'm not working toward that, then I'm not doing anything useful or productive or heading in a healthy direction or whatever, you know, these scrolls on our social media or the new, even the news covers all these new year's goals and how to achieve them. And it's everywhere right now. And that can create a little bit of restlessness. I don't know, like maybe, maybe you're restless in your job and you're wondering if you should leave. Maybe you're restless in your relationships and trying to navigate those, or it's just one of the various roles in your life that you're trying to figure out, or maybe you're having trouble pinpointing exactly where it's coming from, but you find yourself unable to fully let go of the tension that you're carrying in your shoulders day in and day out. You know, some handle restlessness with a short fuse. Maybe you handle it with constant comparison. And if we're honest, some jealousy, maybe there's a growing bitterness toward people who you feel like could help you change it, but just won't. So much overwhelm, you keep saying yes, because you think maybe the next yes will help this restlessness that, you know, you find yourself not just overwhelmed, but kind of miserable. And you're, you're just trying to numb it, right? Like with streaming your comfort shows and scrolling your comfort apps, that newsflash only add to that feeling of restlessness. And I could describe all of these things because I lived it for a couple of years, actually. And I thought for me, I thought information was the way to calm down. If I knew more, I'd be better equipped to calm the heck down. 
right? Like I listened to every podcast I could find, got my hands on all the how-to and self-help books, asked friends for advice until I was blue in the face and sought counseling from trusted mentors. And I still couldn't stop this spoon from stirring up my pot of contentment. I could not settle. You know, it's interesting. Like I said, I wrote this a while back, but yesterday uh, I was reading scripture and I found myself in Ezra. You know, if you listened at all last year, you know, I spent a lot of time in Nehemiah. I backed it up a book in the Old Testament. And Ezra, it's interesting because at the end of Second Chronicles and then into book one of Ezra, and if you don't know scripture and you're like, what is she saying? Just bear with me. Forget all of that. Okay. Honestly, that's not really important unless you want to go read it. But in Ezra, it says that the Lord fulfilled the prophecy he had given through Jeremiah and he stirred the heart of Cyrus. Cyrus was the king of Persia at that point. And then it goes on a couple uh, verses later in verse five, it says, and then God stirred the hearts of the priests. Like it's continually talking about how he's stirring hearts. And it really stuck out to me because I believe that sometimes we mistake this restlessness as a bad thing. And I think at times it could be God trying to get our attention. Like he's stirring something up in us. He's wanting us to take a a harder look. And because we're either like frustrated by it or we can't exactly figure out what it is right off the bat and we don't want to spend time in it, we go a complete different direction, right? We try to ignore it and pretend like it's not there. But do you know what I struggled with the, the most in my season of restlessness? Well, you're about to, whether you, well, I mean, I guess you could put stop, but I'm going to carry on. I could not figure out the difference. And you all have heard me talk about this. And it was only through this season that I finally started chipping away and finding something more concrete. But I couldn't figure out the difference between my feelings guiding my decisions and the Holy Spirit guiding my decision. How do I know if it's the Holy Spirit stirring me up towards something new, something fresh, something that I've allowed to just fall and settle to the bottom of my to-do list because I'm too tired or too focused on other things to actually spend time on maybe the thing that God wants me to pursue. And so I asked a lot of people, (laughs) how do you know the difference? How do you know the difference? I mean, can I get an amen? Anyone else is like, I don't know, is this my thought or is this the Holy Spirit trying to stir up something in me? But in hindsight, here's what I know and never doubt and come back to over and over again. And I've said it again. And it honestly, you can't say it enough. Our feelings are whims. They change from day to day. And the Holy Spirit does not lead in whims. He does not change day to day. The Holy Spirit is consistent. So when you're doing your best to walk in step with the Spirit, what you're being stirred up to do, that restlessness, it will not change based on what kind of day you have. Now, you may want to change it, adjust it, or make it fit what you're feeling in the moment, but the root of it will not change. So I'll just, I'll take you back to when I was really in the midst of this. I knew I had to quit my job because it had become an idol in my life and it was eliminating any and all margin in my life from my own doing. And I just ultimately, I didn't like who I was anymore when I would get home at the end of the day because I was just so tired all the time. I didn't have the bandwidth for anybody else or anything else, but on really good days, right? When I felt like I had gotten everything right, I would come home and tell Ryan, you know what? I think I just need to go part-time. That's it. But in those moments, when I would sit with my new plan, right, the one I felt good about, I kid you not, the Holy Spirit would start stirring up that restlessness again, because partial obedience is still disobedience. So whatever the Holy Spirit is stirring in you right now, that's making you feel restless, it will consistently come to mind. It will smack you in the head every time you sit down for a quiet time or pray. It will be the conclusion that's come to every time you have a conversation about it with someone who loves Jesus and loves you. 
And the truth is your feelings can complicate what the Holy Spirit is trying to make clear. Now, listen, they are not wrong all the time. Okay, feelings are not the bad guys. They're just not the only part of the equation. Learning to understand where they come from leads to better understanding what to do with them. Okay, so there's, there's a root to your feelings. Feelings are just at that surface level. And if, and if you're pushed to and fro by those, it is really hard to find the truth and the concrete step you want to take next, okay, or the concrete step that God's laying on your heart, which, you know, leads me to my next big lesson I learned in restlessness. In my experience, so don't think this is an end-all, be-all scenario, but in my experience personally and with those I've had conversations with in seasons like this, restlessness means you're most likely, this isn't always the case, but you're most likely not functioning in your gifting or there's an aspect of your gifting not being used. Okay, so just like, you know, what I said in Ezra, um, how it said God stirred up his heart, God stirred up his heart. I think sometimes the Holy Spirit stirs up our heart because of what has settled on the bottom. Because we're not doing what we're really passionate about doing because we've let the culture and the world and responsibilities and things that have to get done crowd out any of the things that we're most gifted at doing. Now, like I said, that's not every time. And that doesn't mean quit whatever you're doing and go only do what you're most gifted at doing. Jobs like that are really rare, like super rare, but we all have to function outside of what we're gifted at in some area. And that's a growth point. Honestly, you don't have to use all the skills, but it's good to have them in your toolkit, right? So it's okay. But what I am saying is if you are super restless, like you're so annoyed by it, it's, it's constant. You're probably not doing what you were specifically designed to do. At my most restless, I realized I was never with people outside of my own tight circle anymore. I wasn't ever really pouring personally into anyone. I wasn't creating anything just for fun of creating it. Everything I did had become pressurized and results driven. And if there wasn't a tangible result or affirmation waiting for me on the other side, I just, I didn't do it. I love people. Seriously. I mean, like I, it's alarming. I love being around people. I love meeting people, learning about people, loving them in creative ways and hopefully helping them see Jesus in a way that they needed to see him. And at this point in my life, I was doing zero of that. And my excuse was, I am too busy. I have too much going on. I just can't do it. And this is what I've had the most conversations about lately. One friend said that she used to be the best gift giver. Okay. And she is, she's super thoughtful. She would take the time to find the perfect gifts for the people in her life, sometimes for big life moments, and sometimes just because she loved them. Right. But she found so much joy caring for people in a way that was thoughtful and intentional. However, she'd gotten a promotion at work. And now every spare thought is about work. Her overwhelm was shining through so clearly when she said that she can't think of anything else because if she does, she might fail. She might forget something more important. Her gifting wasn't being used professionally or personally anymore. And she was restless. Another friend called out of the blue one day. I was at the ballpark with Hagen at a baseball tournament. And she and I have been walking this road of restlessness for a little while. She was ready to quit her job like that day because she felt like she'd finally figured out what she needed to be doing leading women in their early 20s into the next stage of life. I love it. That was great. I love hearing your dreams. I love helping you go after them. But she was set on finding a job that would allow her to do just that instead of feeling like she was floundering where she was. She was restless. So I have to ask you, do you have something that you really love to do 
And when you pause and think about it, you realize you aren't really doing it. It's probably something you're actually pretty good at. Something people have commented on that you're good at doing in the past. Something that makes you excited when you've gotten to do it. Why aren't you doing that thing? Okay, not necessarily as a job, but when you get some time to potentially do it, cook the meal, send the text, write the card, have the coffee, lead the group. Do you struggle to muster up the energy? Or are you afraid of what someone might think? Because here are the two biggest things about your gifting and how you use it. I think I'll go so far as to say like these are requirements, margin and confidence. When you lose all margin in your life and you're fixated only on survival, you're going to feel empty, tired, and a mixture of anxious, sad, mad, and no one is going to come to you and say, hey, let me give you some margin. You have, you have to know, you have to know when you need it and then make the adjustments to get it because there's this pattern in the work world. The best employees get more work. I learned something fast when leading teams. Energy management matters so much more than time management. A couple years ago, I was doing my first set of official employee reviews, okay? I'd been leading teams for a little while, but never had the responsibility to officially log a review about how someone was doing. And there was one person on my team that was stinging phenomenal, okay? I never, like literally never had to worry about it if she was gonna get the job done and if it was going to be quality work. I never had to consider either of those options. She was just one that you could mention something to and you didn't have to revisit it again because she would knock it out so fast. And she managed her time well, like clockwork, okay? She was always where she was supposed to be, doing what was expected of her and usually beyond. She was actually a big reason why I stayed afloat during the pandemic. She would just do projects I didn't even ask her to do. She would just see that it it should be done. So you get it, right? She was incredible. But the way she worked impacted her energy. She would pour out until she hit a wall. And while the wall didn't impact the quality of her work, it would impact how she delivered her work from time to time. She was stellar at what she did. And as a leader, I had to recognize that to protect the level that she was working at and the quality that she was producing, she did not need me to help her manage her time. She needed help managing her energy. Okay, so in her review, I remember saying, hey, if you wake up in the morning and the very last place you want to be is here, don't be here. Take a slower morning, work from somewhere else, do what you need to do to reset to actually want to be here. And she had earned the right to that kind of flexibility. Her character, integrity and work performance meant that I could say that with zero fear that she would take advantage of it or abuse it. And so this is what I have to say to leaders, know your people. Okay, know when they need that margin. Be the one that's unexpectedly asking if they need some margin. Prioritize the people over the product. If you don't, it's not just the people who will suffer, it's the product too. If you see gifted employees struggling, take the time to figure out what kind of margin they need. See the person before you see what they can produce for you. And honestly, this goes back to empathy as a leadership superpower. And hey, if you're an employee who's struggling to find margin right now, trust your leadership enough to hear you out. If you can't trust your leadership, well, I mean, that's, that's just a red flag for another episode that will have to come in the future. And a quick word about confidence, okay? If you like confidence in what you're doing, I would venture to guess that you're tying that confidence to someone or something outside of Jesus. No one else built you to do what you're doing or what you feel called to maybe be doing, right? That thing that's creating some restlessness, that's stirring you up, that came to mind when I said, hey, what's the one thing that you wish you had more time to do or could be doing that fills you up and makes you excited? No one else built you to do what you're doing. 
Some may have encouraged you or no one else built you to do what you're doing. Some may have encouraged you or equipped you, but no one else gave you the ability, the passion, or the mind, heart it takes to do it. That came straight from your creator. You can run your race because Jesus laid it out for you, not because anyone else marked the course. You can run hard because he asked you to, not because anyone else asked you to. Okay. I just, I I know that feels redundant, but I have to say that to myself all the time. Let me be clear about something I wish I'd learned so much sooner. You don't need permission to function in your gifting. If you didn't worry about what anyone would say or think, what would you really love to do? What would make you so excited? If you find your head slammed up against a ceiling over and over, get creative. How can you exercise your gifts in a new way? This will require work on your part, okay? But I can't help but get excited when I think about the kingdom potential if we spent more time living in obedience and less time waiting for someone to tell us we're allowed to. If the Holy Spirit has stirred your heart to do something and you're pumping the brakes out of fear, I have a feeling that maybe you're allowing someone's opinion to carry more weight than obedience. I have a feeling that you care more what someone might think than what God is saying. I have a feeling that you fear man more than you fear God. People pleasing is literally saying, I would rather please this person than please my creator. That's all from me. Okay, that's me. I lived that. I still some days live that. So don't, I'm not, this is not me pointing a finger. I'm truly like, man, I've been there. I know what that feels like. So stop living paralyzed. Start moving in obedience. What can you do that stirs your soul? Start a small group, start a small business, open your home to neighbors, share with others what you've learned so far. Don't wait for permission or a platform. Move in obedience and see what happens. Nehemiah, he didn't wait for everyone to agree that he should start rebuilding the wall, right? Over and over, Nehemiah reminds us that he was moving in obedience to rebuild the wall. He spent quiet time with God regularly to build the confidence in what he was doing as more people sought to tear his plan down. He did not waver because his confidence was in God's plan, not his own. He knew he played a part. He knew God was using him, so he carried on. He was not praying, God, please be a part of my plan. Please be a part of what I want to do. He was saying, God, let me be a part of what you want to do. Let me be a part of what you're planning and doing right now. Show me how I can play a part in this. And when he was questioned, he reminded them and himself, hey, I'm doing a great work and I cannot come down. Don't come down because someone may not like what you're passionate about. Confidence isn't in permission, it's in obedience. So as you look at those 2024 goals, passions, dreams, what makes you stumble? What makes you pull back? So this is where we're going to get a little practical. There's a green, yellow, red system I heard on a podcast years ago that I love to use. I look at my day and I break it up based on these colors. Green is when I'm functioning on all cylinders. I'm excited, energized. I can knock stuff out so fast That kind of energy needs to be spent on what I'm best at and what requires the most thought, right? So writing, laying out strategy, planning, brainstorming. And that usually comes first thing in the morning for me. Yellow is when I'm still capable of knocking things out fairly efficiently, but my brain power isn't at 100%. This is a good time for meetings and team conversations, okay? I reserve a couple hours after lunch for that. Red is when I'm spent. I don't have a whole lot to offer. This is when I'm in task management mode, okay? I'm following up on Basecamp. I'm responding to emails and texts. That's the last couple hours of my day. Okay, so that's energy management. And maybe that's not the problem with you. Maybe that's not the roadblock for you. Maybe you're a little too concerned about what people will say about your goals, dreams, execution of your gifts. I get that. I live that. I want you to think about this. And I've talked about this before and you're gonna hear me talk about it again. 
Who is sitting on your mental committee? Who has a seat at the table in your mind where all your thoughts are running through, where all of your dreams and goals are thought about? I would really encourage you this year to remove the people from that committee whose opinions you fear and replace them with people whose opinions you value. Don't think who won't like this. Instead, think who will be so for this and keep me encouraged and accountable. And maybe instead of setting goals for all of 2024, what if you set a goal for the next 90 days? Whatever that thing is that only you can do that God has stirred your heart around that has left you feeling restless, but ready. What's one or two things you can do in the next 90 days to move toward it? Is it a conversation, a plan, a few paragraphs written, an ask of some sort? Just do one of those things. And I promise you, the next thing you do will be easier. And then the next. But as you go, continue to lay it down at the feet of Jesus. Let him guide it, direct it, secure it. Because if you don't, I doubt you'll even make it 90 days. I love cheering people on. So if you need help, please reach out. All right. You can always DM at NOTM podcast over on Instagram. And listen, I couldn't be more for you like this. Even reading this gets me excited because if more and more of us functioned in our gifting and what we feel passionate about, regardless of opinions, or if we started building our lives around, you know, the things that God's specifically asking of us instead of everything else that we feel is being asked of us, man, what a difference it would make. I believe that for you. I believe it for all of us. I'm cheering you on. I can't wait to see what happens next.